And that's my favorite stretch of road to Wisconsin. Right there, cross the border, leave the fibs behind. I'm into God's country. I'm home. Shut up and sit down. What's up, Wisconsin? From the Inside Wisconsin Studios, my name is Trevor Thomas, and he is Green Bay Southwest track star and, oh yeah, ESPN Sports Center anchor, John Anderson. John, how are you doing with Kenny Maine and the breakup? I mean, I know you guys are close. That's not easy. It's not you. It's him. Right. How's this going? <laughs> the breakup. I don't, listen, he's not just breaking up with me. He's breaking up with everybody at our place. He's breaking up with America. Um, at yeah, least I don't like it. From our point, you know, uh, it, listen, it's really hard. He, I consider him a dear friend. Um, he is, I think he is fall down funny. He is by far one of my favorite people on the network. I will turn on to watch Kenny, <laughs> such as the unique uh, um, perspective, often demented that he brings to um, SportsCenter, which is great. I get that he is not for everybody all the time, but you will not find a more decent human being anywhere. Whether he is trying to rescue dogs, whether he is trying to better the world by uh, registering people to vote, why he is trying to get the, he, he runs this charity to get braces for veterans um, who have had injuries to their legs and have trouble walking and it's called run freely. And all of a sudden they get this brace and and these guys that have not literally almost been wheelchair bound, get up and not only walk, but run on treadmills and can run. And he gives them their, you know, just sort of their life back in so many ways. Um, And so he is just, he is, like I said, he is a phenomenal guy. Everybody should be that original, you know, everybody should be that caring and uh, we will miss him. And it's funny because he 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 poured he he put out the tweet, "Hey, I'm going to be done." And it's like anything in life, right? When you leave it, I'm not so sure I want people to go, "Oh, well, he worked." But you would like to know that you were there and you made a difference. Yeah. And the outpouring he's had since that happened is um, has been terrific. Been really moving for all of us, really. Uh, that everybody thinks as highly of him as we do. And listen, there's no bigger friend to the Green Bay Packers. I was going to say than Kenny Maine. Right. Right. He I mean, TJ Lane got jacked in the face by a rack of cabbage, but other than that, yeah, yeah had, he's, he had Aaron throw a cabbage point blank right at him, and and Aaron sort of pumped it up. Right. He didn't just kind of lob it. He did that. No. Uh, but Kenny is a guy that he's a Seattle guy. Uh, but Seattle didn't have a team till 76. Um, so he's slightly older than I am. So he grew up in the heyday. So he grew up, uh, you know, got some tail under the Packers and he loves it. He loves Lambeau field. And so he is, like I said, there's no better, uh, a fan, no bigger proponent of the Packers at ESPN. Maybe me. Uh, but beyond <laughs> that, say, he's, uh... you know, he's, he is, uh, he is a great f- friend of the organization. And you told me he is pissed at the Brewers, right? At the Brewers? Yeah, they stole the pilots, right? Well, yeah, in that regard, yes. He will he's very much will let you know that in nineteen sixty-nine the Seattle Pilots were, you know, a major league baseball team in his hometown, and then they were, yeah, they were they were pilfered and taken away by Bud Selig <laughs> and Edmund Fitzgerald Jr. 
I don't know if you knew that. Do you know that? Edmund Fitzgerald know, Jr. was his partner, not the guy the name the I'll ship was after. That was his dad, mm-hmm. uh, but Edmund Fitzgerald. Um, and so he is forever quoting pilot highlights or pilot statistics and all those things. And uh, yeah, so he, 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 he frowns on that, but to some degree, he kind of, he kind of keeps them in. And by the way, he was a great athlete. You know, he, 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 uh, at one time at UNLV, he was ahead of Russell, uh, excuse me, Russell, Randall Cunningham on the, on the depth chart. Hmm. Yeah. Played, played, played junior college football. um, And then went to, uh, went to UNLV. And then Oregon broke his leg, which is a really, for as often as that sound catastrophic, uh, is a really funny story in terms of, you know, having your legs broken. But so you played yeah. uh, track in high school, amongst other things. I played basketball and a little bit of football, not a lot. Uh, yeah. Our guest today, probably, I don't know, did he do any of those things or did he just drive cars? Matt Kenseth on Inside Wisconsin today. Shut up and sit down. Matt, thanks for joining us on Inside Wisconsin. Yeah, no problem. Cambridge native, NASCAR champion, huge Packer fan. Uh, what else you got going on? You know, really just chasing kids. So um, <laughs> my girls are uh, 3, 7, 10, and 11. So they keep me pretty busy around here. Then, uh, of course, Ross is 27. And uh, just a couple weeks ago, he just had um, uh, his second child. So just had a grandson here a couple weeks ago. And uh, so between all the kids and um, and uh, uh, keeps me pretty busy, honestly. Race cars go fast. I find that my kids go faster, right? Like kids, just, yeah. they are on the, they're harder to catch than anybody else. I'm sure you ever had to run down on a track. Like they yeah, just go. everything. Yeah, I mean everything's you know slowed down the last few years as far as travel and going out and doing all that stuff. But um, yeah, kids kids move pretty fast. They have a lot going on. And, um, you know, they want a lot of your attention, which is great, because uh, someday uh, I'm, I've learned, you know, with Ross, he went through a period where he didn't want much to do with me. So I know as kids get older, there's going to be times where they don't right. want much to do with you and listen to you. So uh, you try to, uh, you know, absorb every moment, moment and try to um, try to enjoy it all and uh, try to whenever they want to talk to you and, and do something with you, try to make time for them and, and do that. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty busy, especially for the one that's that's not mm-hmm. in school, you know, because she's wide open all day. <laughs> So, Matt, you, like John, moved away quite a while ago. What do you miss the most about back home? Oh, the weather. No <laughs> kidding. Didn't see that coming. <laughs> That's not the answer you're expecting. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, the easy answer is just the people. I mean, I think when you, you grow up somewhere, um, you know, you get to know kind of the, the culture and the, and the people and, um, you know, just kind of and everything that goes with that. So, so the people for sure are the most, but the, you know, there's a lot of things I, I miss about up there. I still try to get back there a fair amount. I miss, uh, you know, there used to be a lot of snow when you go snowmobiling with your buddies or, um, you know, just, just whatever it might be, just all the, all the Wisconsin things, Packer games, um, you know, and honestly the weather a little bit, kind of hunting with your buddies and kind of having yeah. four real seasons, except for the real wet, cruddy part of the winter, that part I don't like, but the rest of it I miss. Right, right, yeah. Trevor's dressed for winter right now. It's, it's. He's wearing flannel as we, Every, we get into eighty degree weather, which is really yeah. nice. Did, did you, did you, uh, uh, did you? Were snowmobiles hobby and fun, or do you have to drive those things wide open too when you were when you got on that? <laughs> well, I will be honest. It was always a race, and um, you know, I started off with a pretty slow snowmobile. My first snowmobile was an old Polaris Gemini. It was a little single cylinder, two forty four. CC and it was not very fast, um, but I went as fast as it would go all the time. 
And then my next one was just a little bit faster. I went as fast as I go all the time with that one until I hit a tree. And then, um, that slowed <laughs> me down for a while, uh, especially because at the moment I happened to be grounded and I wasn't supposed to be riding it. So I had to. Uh, how old were you? I was like 13 and I had to uh, figure out how to fix it and I didn't have any money. So uh, I actually built the pieces and fixed it um, in the shop. And I thought my dad never knew about it. And that's the thing you learn about parents, you know, as you get older that they pretty much knew everything. He just didn't let me know mm -hmm. for whatever reason that he knew about it. Cause uh, once I was ungrounded, I went out to take it for a ride and um, I didn't have any stickers to fix that one side. He's like, how's there's those stickers on that side? And he just like stared at me, like daring me to lie to him. <laughs> I was like, well, dad, I uh, had an accident. I had to fix it. Well, when did you have that accident? He knew exactly the whole thing, right? So, right. Um, yeah, so then I didn't ride my snowmobile for a while again and um, learned my <laughs> lesson and went from there. So I, we noticed that you list hobbies, running, cycling, skiing, riding snowmobiles and motorcycles. What do you do slow? <laughs> All of those things. <laughs> uh, actually, I should say, if you watched me race last year, I did that pretty slow. No, um, come on. <laughs> um, you know, I probably do everything maybe a little bit slower than I used to. So uh, I really have, I really love skiing. We only go once a year. This year we didn't go just because of um, COVID and travel and it's just hard. But uh, Katie and I went to Colorado. I don't know, like 15 years ago for our anniversary, kind of on a whim. And neither one of us, we both grew up in Wisconsin, but neither one of us have ever skied. So we learned to ski and tell you ride Colorado. So um, we always try to go back there every year. So Jimmy got me into running. He was doing this, uh, this little 5k charity thing. And man, I couldn't run a mile without stopping. So Katie, Katie, I always liked to run. So I started running with her and it turned out to be like one of my favorite activities with her. It's like, you know, it's just us. We talk the whole time. It's just, um, mm -hmm. we just really both enjoy doing it. And, uh, and, and spending that time. So we both trained just a little bit and I ran that 5k when I wasn't going to race in 20, uh, whatever it was, 19, uh, Katie has always wanted to go to Europe. Uh, she's been there a few times. I have never traveled anywhere, uh, really mm -hmm. except a race. I've never been overseas at all. Uh, so we, uh, she, we had a friend that was running a Berlin marathon. So it's like a lottery draw and Katie's like, let's sign up. And if we get drawn, we'll both train, do it together. And then, then, you know, we'll stay over there for a week with some friends and we'll go tour some different things and do that. So, that's kind of how I got into that. I really liked it. I set too lofty of a goal and I, I, I knew I did a bunch of things wrong. I was uh, not feeling well at all the day of the race in Berlin and, and still did okay. And then um, uh, I was talking to a friend of mine and he's like, Hey, I got a spot if you want to do New York in a couple of weeks. Once I got home from post Berlin marathon, which consisted of a lot of walking up and down stairs and castles and a lot of drinking beer and a lot of eating and um, all that kind of stuff for a week without doing anything. So I came back and, uh, uh, tried to do a quick tune up for a few weeks and, and ran New York, which was a great experience as far as how my stomach felt. Like I fixed all that stuff. I figured out my eating, my sleeping and all that. It's just, my legs were really unimpressed with uh, what I was trying to do. Um, but it was really fun. I can't wait. I'm actually, I signed up for Chicago this year. I'm actually just uh, good started thinking about getting a training plan put together here to probably start the end of uh, probably the end of June or middle of June, somewhere in there and uh, start getting ready for that. So I'm really hoping it, it, it goes off and, uh, and go try another one. Truly amazing stuff. But people are people as much as they are interested in your road running, uh, they're, they're they're probably a little more intrigued by the racing. Let's start with let's let's get to the end and kind of work work back um, because uh, you know you take us through the end, the full time end of NASCAR because it really didn't seem to be more of an ability thing. It wasn't a a, a talent thing. It becomes a money and sponsorship thing. And, you know, how it was that you decided that maybe now that part of your career was over. Which end are you talking about? 
at the end of when you decide to give up NASCAR. <laughs> uh, who said I gave up yet? I'm just kidding. Full time. Hey, no, we broke qualifiers. We broke that news ride. here. <laughs> we broke that news here. You're done? Yeah, no, I am definitely done. Uh, so, you know, there's a, you know, all joking aside, there's a few different, you know, kind of endings, I guess. So 2017, you know, I would say that uh, I was mentally exhausted. I honestly knew since uh, uh, probably July of 16 that Gibbs wasn't going to keep me around, that they were going to they were going to replace me and sign me to a one year deal. And I just, I just kind of knew that's the writing was on the wall. And I kind of knew that was going to happen no matter how many races we won or what we did uh, for, for whatever reason. So um, I'd say I was pretty mentally exhausted by the time 2017 was over. Uh, Nothing really popped up that made me super excited. I could have kept racing, uh, but I felt like pretty much at that time with what was available, pretty available or wanted me there was going to be a step down from what I was doing. And, I feel like throughout my career, I've, I've had some pride in being fairly competitive throughout my career. I didn't want to take a, a ride to uh, uh, not be competitive and not have a chance to win just to be, uh, you know, collecting a check or just to be out there. So I was pretty mentally exhausted, kind of ready for a break. Um, however, in my heart, I wasn't really done racing. I felt like I still had the ability to do it. We won the second to last race, um, you know, of the year in 2017, I felt like I could still be a, uh, uh, asset. I could still perform well around the right people and all that kind of stuff. So, um, you know, fast forward a little bit uh, to, to like April of 18 and, and Jack called and wanted me to drive the six car part time and see if they could get that going a little bit better. It, it was a good experience. It didn't run as well as um, I hoped we'd be able to run. I felt like we made some things better. Um, some things, uh, certainly I, I feel like I wish I could have helped more. Um, but really once we got toward the end of the season, I could, uh, you know, it, it was kind of a grind and three days a week. And as the kids got older and missing, you know, soccer games and basketball games and school plays and father daughter dances and all that stuff was just honestly something I wasn't interested in missing anymore. And I just, Mm -hmm. uh, so I decided it was just time to, it's just time to get out. Took 2019 off and fast forward again. And um, really it's because, you know, COVID hit. And then when Kyle got out of that car, uh, you know, Chip called me to drive the 42 car. I felt like it was a good team. Kyle always ran really well um, in that car. And uh, to be honest, I was kind of itching to get back behind the wheel a little bit. Anyway, we were stuck at home. They were all one day shows. I was like, man, if there's ever an opportunity to go back one more time, you know, to kind of be like, you know, can you still do it or can't you? And, um, you know, or is this something you want to keep doing? Are you done for good? Are you happy? Like all that kind of stuff. It was just a perfect opportunity. Like I said, they're one day shows. I felt like it's a good team. Uh, I wasn't going to be away from home much. Kids weren't doing anything anyway because they were locked down with, with COVID. So, um, you know, went back and tried that last year and uh, really disappointing. You know, certainly when I got done with the season, I knew that that was kind of my uh, mm-hmm. sign that it was time to time to step away for good and, and, and stay away. Does it does it make it easier because the resume is full? Got a bunch of wins. There's a championship. There's Daytona 500. You know, like there, it, there's not a ton of stuff out there that you that you didn't accomplish that anybody that got into the sport and raced at the top level would want to do. Uh, as much as you think about the races you you won, I think about the however many 600 and some that I lost or whatever. So, um, you know, certainly I, I, I feel really, really blessed and fortunate, mainly for the people I was able to work with, how good of cars I was being able to be in. I mean, without being in good equipment and having good people working on those cars, you're not going to be successful. So uh, I was real fortunate. had a lot of success, more than I would have ever dreamed of in a million years. Never dreamed I'd even make it to this level, much less uh, 
have the success that I was able to have with the different teams that I was with. So I'm um, super, super thankful for all that. Um, you know, but you always want more. I was, uh, you know, at times think back to ones that got away, that slipped away, the things that should have done different, should have done better. Um, I always wish you had some of them back, but I think that's probably normal for any athlete. They're like, man, I wish I could have that back or this back. Your job was sort of right in line when the Packers were doing their job. So uh, how did you manage to um, either watch games or I don't know if you wanted to not find out, don't anybody tell me what happened so I can go watch it. How did you handle that? Yeah. So for, for years and years um, that was always kind of my release. So that's sort of what I look forward to. And when I got home on Sundays, um, typically couldn't sleep. So what I would do is I would uh, DVR the Packer games and everyone on my team and the people that I had direct contact with knew that I did this and knew that I did not want to know the results. So they wouldn't tell me. And very, I mean, it worked really good for a long, long time. Once in a while, somebody would slip and say something, but typically nobody would say a word. And uh, so I wouldn't look at my phone. I wouldn't look at any football scores, wouldn't look at anything. And we go home, we get the kids to bed. I'd go get a cold beer and I go sit out on the porch. I turn the TV on and I would watch it like it's live. And I did that like, I mean, pretty much every, every week, it, it hardly ever, I found out what the results were. And I always look forward to that. I mean, I was up really late and, um, mm-hmm. Monday mornings weren't really that good after having a long day of uh, racing and being up late watching a Packer mm-hmm. game. But um, I always really enjoyed that. That was one of the things I look forward to the the whole weekend. And um, Katie, I was laughs because she said that one of the one of the times she's seen me the maddest is we came home after a race and I had a really bad day and I went to watch the Packer game on DVR and the satellite was all blurred out. And I went outside and there were some branches that were in front of the satellite dish and I was out there like. 10:30 at night with a chainsaw, cutting all these branches out of there, throwing them off. <laughs> so uh, she thought that was pretty funny. She was, you know, I had a bad day anyway, and then that made it worse. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> well, more with Packers fan and of course NASCAR champion in Cambridge, Wisconsin native Matt Kenseth. In just a bit, we are inside Wisconsin. Helpful critiques, ideas, great stories, people we should know, the great bar in your town, the fish fry you want to know, the fish boil, anything that you want to reach out to us with, we are happy, we are here. You can be the inputters. We're here to listen. Shut up and sit down. Welcome back to Inside Wisconsin. John Anderson, Trevor Thomas. Uh, as always, I am representing some franchise within the state. Go Bucks as the playoffs begin. And Trevor is in flannel. For the love of Pete. It's for representing the rest of the state. Let's dude, be honest. It's June. You don't need flannel in June. It's a little warm down here. Not going to lie. Okay. We'll, we'll take care of it. All right. So we've got Matt Kenseth before we get back to him and his racing stories. Uh, you say there are stretches of road where you like to just go ahead and floor it or, or you're either that or you're driving at a reasonable rate and you find people flying by. Right? Yeah, so pretty- give me some spots. Give me five where I need to watch the O speedometer or at least be keeping track in my mirrors. So this week's top five list, we talked about where in Wisconsin do you feel like you're on a racetrack no matter what's happening. So coming in at number five for me, Milwaukee, the Marquette Interchange. John, you've been on that before. Literally, if you're going to a Brewer game from the north or coming up from the south, anywhere downtown in that Marquette Interchange area, I don't know, Brown Deer South, I think it goes down to 55. But nobody does that down there. It feels like a racetrack every single time. Nobody's observing that. Okay. Uh, No. Well, every once in a while, you see a cop that found somebody, but that's pretty rare. Anyway, uh, number four, I'm certain that you've made this trek before. I-41, between Green Bay and Appleton, between the hours of 7 a.m. and 8 a.m. and 4 p.m. and 6 p.m., it is a two-lane 
absolute Bristol racetrack. It's ridiculous. And I will say this about the, the stretch of road there in Milwaukee. All I know is that when I left for college and I drive down from Green Bay to Missouri, uh, there was construction in and around Milwaukee and the Marquette campus. And the last time I was home, uh, you know, a few months ago, and I drove through, and there's still construction there. So near as I can tell, Always. right, it's been 36 years of nonstop construction in and around that place. Great. Number three, the Beltline in Madison. Okay. On the outskirts of Madison, on the south side, the Beltline, where everybody takes to get mm -hmm. to a Badger game. You get off on park. It is absolutely nuts racetrack driving, which is not far from Cambridge, by the way, okay. which I guess makes sense. When you the say Beltline, racetrack driving, what are you saying? Are we getting to 80? Um, we're probably getting if I'm, not, if, I'm not, if I'm not, if I, if I don't see an eight, then we're just keeping pace. But I think more about the aggression. It is, you know, okay. these guys, when they race in NASCAR, they're not like, sure. Hey, how are you? Good. Yep. They're not waving at each other. It is to the grindstone every single time. That's the belt line last two. And I know you've done at least one of these yep. probably can understand the other one as well from green Bay to door County on a Friday afternoon on 42 and 57. Right. It's stupid. You have to leave early. Otherwise, buckle in like doubly because it's literally race car driving all the way up to Door County. Why, you may ask? Because of number one, anytime you're on the highway, the interstate, a road here in Wisconsin, and you are met with somebody from Illinois, game on. You see the land, the license plate land of Lincoln, and that's when you're going after it. Game over. Yeah, you have to. You will get run off the road in your home state. It's fibs, man. Fibs. Um, speaking of uh, yeah. things that aren't great, roundabouts. Do you have those out there? Yeah. Yeah. We got a couple. Mm -hmm. Do people know what the they're doing? They baffle everybody. I, everybody. Know, I get it. They Nobody knows when they're yielding. Nobody knows the right way. By the way, they're not really that difficult. Not at all. It's fairly simple. Watch the signs slow down. I was, I, I left the, the house circle, today. Get off where you need to. <laughs> yeah. Not difficult. Done. Go in a circle. Not all the way around. You ever see people do that? That's stupid too. Um, I was I approached a roundabout today, uh, and in front of me was somebody from Missouri. No offense. And coming on the side was somebody from Minnesota. You mm -hmm. would have thought there was an elephant in the middle of the roundabout. Nobody knew what to do at that moment. Literally, the guy in the roundabout stopped. Right. Um, I want to ask Matt Kenseth this, by the way, when we join him. Metallica. Matt's a big fan of Metallica. And on my little road trip today, I put the earbuds in and right. put on Pandora for Metallica. Um, it changes things when you're driving. I'm curious really? if he listens. Yeah, let's ask him. Yeah, see, I'm not a metal guy, but we'll find out. Shut up and sit down. Matt, as you were racing, uh, did you have Metallica in one ear, pretty much the constant, and your crew in the other ear? Or what is, how was that? Because <laughs> I got on 41 today up here in the Green Bay area, and I yep. put in my AirPods and hit Metallica on Pandora. And I got to be honest, I drove different. It was yeah. just different. You know, um, ironically, you know, once we had the kids, it's whatever they were watching in the morning in the motorhome or listening to is what would get stuck in my head, unfortunately. So I had a lot of like, door of the explorer and like <laughs> i mean just random stuff stuck in my head sometimes right. when, when you're driving unfortunately um but you're right some of that stuff like i used to never listen to music when i ran and then on some of my training runs i started listening to music and like um five finger death punch for instance is worth about 25 seconds a mile <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> I don't know how it's sustainable, but it's worth that without feeling like it's any more effort. I'm like, yeah, wow. Drove different. Yeah. Gotta be honest. Yeah. Is there a spot in the state somewhere where, where you find that you need to use most of your professional driving skills? <laughs> um, no. I mean, the, the driving too fast, I, I don't. I don't really run into that. I like it when nobody's holding me up on a on a four lane or or whatever. But um, but yeah, there is some some places uh, where 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 people pay no attention to the speed limit at all for sure. So for <laughs> you, we should define what's too fast. Like I don't know, is that a thing? Well, I mean, like I don't really speed much to be honest with you. However, when we're going on an interstate or something like that, like I usually judge off other cars. Like I love it when somebody's going too fast. Cause I'll get behind them and I'll let them go one mile an hour faster than I am. Cause then I figure, well, if they get a ticket, you know, somebody gets a ticket, he's going to get it. Cause he's going a mile an hour. Mm-hmm. faster than me. So I actually like it when people are going fast like that. I don't like to be the fastest one. Uh, Matt, let's go back to the, the small track days, right? Where it all began. Uh, I, we did some research and I literally couldn't find a small track to, that you didn't race on back in the day. Did you ever race at Jefferson speedway other than all the others? I mean, tell us about the beginning. Yeah. So, um, you know, I guess if you want to go way back, my uh, my dad, my dad's three brothers raced at Jefferson Speedway. That was the closest track to our house. And uh, we used to stop over there. My dad didn't race um, at the time. And we used to stop over at their house all the time. And I just I just loved race cars from a young age. We'd go over there and uh, just always ask my dad, you know, after work, if we could drive over to um, either either Uncle Gary or Butch's house because they were in Cambridge. Wayne was in Janesville, which was farther away. So we'd go over to one of their house and just because we knew they'd be out in the garage working on their race cars. And I just, um, I was like going over there and watching that. And then uh, uh, Saturday nights, we'd sit up on the hill at Jefferson with, um, you know, my grandparents and my aunts would be up there watching my uncle's race and uh, my cousins would be up there and stuff. So just kind of started doing that and hanging out and just that's kind of where, where it all started. And then uh, one year after the championship race, uh, we were driving home and my dad did a U-turn and went back to the track. And I kind of asked him what he was doing. He said he was going to go back and buy a race car. And uh, my dad was real funny. He's like, I'm going to buy it there. I'm going to have him drop it off at the house because I don't trust him not to take good parts off or change the setup or whatever he thought they were going to do. So anyway, the, he went and bought a car right out of the pits after the last race. And the guy dropped it off at our shop. And we didn't have any tools. Neither one of us knew how to work on anything. We didn't have a trailer. Um, we didn't have anything. And um, I, was, uh, I was 12 or 13 at the time. And, uh, really that's where it all started. we went to a uh, local farm fleet and bought, bought a Jack and some Jack stands and a toolbox and started buying some tools here and there. And, um, I pretty much did all the work on the car and my dad drove it for the first uh, few years, uh, until I turned 16. Then I got a, a car and we both raced at the same time for a little while. Um, but that's kind of where it all started was, uh, was Jefferson Speedway. Actually, my, when I started, I started racing at Columbus Speedway. Uh, which isn't there anymore. And uh, cause that was a Friday night that my dad would race Saturday nights at Jefferson. So I could work on his car. Wow. It's fun. I remember as a kid, they had like the paps red, white, and blue series. They, yeah. they went to like Seymour. I remember going to that Kakana places like that. Yeah. What is it about those tracks that, cause you, once you've been to the highest level, right. And you go to Daytona and there's a whole week there and you talk about travel and, and there's haulers and, and shops and, Sponsor commitments, right? Like it, it, you're you're at the high you're at the high end of the food chain, and I when I worked I worked in Tulsa for many years, and you'd get many of these top drivers because they just want to come and race the Chili Bowl Nationals, and they'd go. It's just cool to be on this short track with the dirt, and we're just having the time of our life. 
What is it about those places that is it just straight nostalgia? Nostalgia, but what does it draw guys back to that? That even if you've won the Daytona 500, there's something just a hoot about going back and racing in those kind of places. Yeah, I mean, I think it's kind of about how you started. You know, maybe you know, typically what your dad brought you to as a kid is the kind of racing that you uh, mm-hmm. end up doing or that you enjoy the most or whatever. Um, you know, my dad and my uncles and stuff were all around late model asphalt racing so that's kind of where i started as well so um so for me when i watch the big races before i was driving like the slinger nationals and you'd always mm-hmm. see that my drivers come there and race at the slinger nationals i mean that was like that was like the coolest thing ever you go sit in the stands i've seen uh, so many great drivers i was there i think that night that neil bonnet had that big crash and like i've seen bobby and davy allison and um you know obviously schrader and quickie and like uh, Michael Waltrip, just, uh, just all kinds of guys I've seen, I've seen race there trickle, obviously a million times. Uh, so watching that and then along with all the short track legends, like, like Joe Shear and, uh, Rich Bickle and all the guys that were doing so well up there to me, that was, I was like the coolest thing ever watching that. So, um, as soon as I was able to start racing and moved up to super lights, like, you know, I always look forward to one of the Slinger Nationals. That always seemed like the, well, it was the biggest short track race in Wisconsin and, um, you know, really awesome racetrack, but just the the whole event and the atmosphere and all the people that would come there for it and all the people that have heard of it. I mean, that was always uh, for sure my local, local short track race or favorite short track race rather. Matt, where was your first win here in Wisconsin? What track was it? And how old are, how old were you when you uh, got your first victory? Um, it was at Columbus 151 Speedway, and I think it was my third night racing. We uh, won the feature up there. Um, so I was 16, and uh, I say this almost every interview, and I still don't know where it is. It's pretty funny. I forget when I get off this, but for like the last 10 years, whenever I talk about my first win, I always talk about the tape of it because my dad had this old camera. Is this big old VHS camera, you know, holding it up on his shoulder. And uh, he filmed the race. And it's really, really neat because he's so excited that the camera jumps up to the sky and back down. And uh, he's laughing and giggling and saying, oh, the kid is better than I am. And he's just he's so excited, like just so excited. It's like the neatest thing. And I need to hunt that tape down, actually. Um, so it was at Columbus 151 Speedway. And it was like my third night out there. And I was able to hold off uh, uh, Dave Phillips and Pete Moore, who were the two uh, the two best guys around that track um at the at the time so it was their late mile division it was kind of like a late mile stock or sportsman type car but it was the late mile division out there at uh like columbus jefferson um type late models when when do you get the feel that if um if you're a football player right and you start running for three thousand yards like oh maybe i can do this in college or since i'm a runner if you see some guy and you go oh look he just laid down in high school a 420 mile i might have a future in this when do you realize as a racer that you might have some ability and some opportunity and this can be a career as opposed to those guys that, that, you know, what's 80% of them that you raced when you first started out that just like to have a car and like to race and go there on weekends. But, but it goes from a hobby and you've made a career out of it. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's not a simple answer. That's kind of a, that's that's kind of a tricky question. Um, I've never really had, uh, it's going to sound a little dumb, but I've never really had that feeling like I'm good enough. Like, uh, you know, like, like, Hey, I'm better than that guy. I'm going to make it at this. Like, I think a lot of it is, uh, is circumstance. I think a lot of it's certainly, you know, dedication and, and I hate to ever call racing work, but I think dedication and hard work and being dedicated to try to do the best you can do or best you can be at something. 
Um, but a lot of it is just great timing and good fortune, meeting the right people. Um, the risers give me a chance to drive their car. Um, Mark Martin seeing me race and, and getting Robbie and I hooked up to Roush Racing to move up. Like without any of those kind of things happening or or, or driving the short track cars, dad and I couldn't afford, you know, for like Mike Butts and Fred Nielsen and, and those kind of guys. Without getting those cars and running well, you would never have got the, the experience or the recognition or the next people seeing you drive. Um, that thought you were good at it um, to give you a chance to move up. So um, I, ironically, um, the first, at least the first several years when I raced, um, I always liked working on race cars better and I liked driving them. I mean, the driving was, was fine, um, but I really enjoyed working on them and trying to figure out how to make them faster than everybody else's cars. Like I love working on my dad's car and even my own car. Like I couldn't wait to go home and try to build a new set of shocks and see if it would make my car turn better than the, than other set of shocks. And um, so I think very early on, I figured out that um, the fastest car has a way better chance of winning race than the best driver. And I really focused on that pretty much my whole career. The last handful of years has been much harder because it's so engineered based and I can't keep up with it. And I'm not smart enough to tell them you know, what to put in the cars or what I need in the cars. But I think, you know, at a young age, I learned that and I enjoyed that and I embraced that. And I think I took that through a lot of my career. And I think that was a huge, a huge, huge, huge advantage for me because like in practice, we work hard on making changes and getting that last run in and that last run of tests just to try to keep making the car better. Because when you get to that level, everybody's a good driver. Mm-hmm. I really don't think I'm nearly as talented as a lot of the drivers that I raced against for years and years, but I feel like we made our cars better than a lot of those guys and the faster car would beat a more talented driver uh, more times than not. So I feel like that was, um, that was probably one of my biggest, you know, one of my best attributes, one of the things that helped me, I think the most through my career, my driving talent wouldn't have, wouldn't have took me there. You know, if I was, would have never been good at trying to get my cars to go faster, you know, the talent would have never, never took me there. Cause we did a lot of that ourselves and I really enjoyed doing that. Well, I, I think uh, you're really self-deprecating in that regard. I think I think there's plenty of talent there. But along that point, whether it's engineers or mechanics, right, in NASCAR, the goal is always to go faster. And so um, there are times in that chase for speed that all rules are not observed to the letter. Uh, but it is one of my favorite sayings I've ever heard in all of sports uh, when, I, when a guy said, it's not that we're cheating, we're just trying to get away with stuff. You know, given that you like to get in there and work on it, like, do you find that 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 you wish they kind of take some of those shackles off and just go, listen, if I have more ingenuity than the other guy, then I should be allowed to to build a faster race car. Well, I, I mean, I think most people probably feel the same way um, every generation. You know, certainly for somebody that wants to be hands on, it's it's much different. Like right now, it really caters to the. To the kids, in a way, honestly, the guys who uh, want to spend time, you know, studying data and going over film and going to the simulator and doing eye racing and like all that kind of stuff, kind of has replaced the old, you know, kind of testing. You know, hey, let's throw this in the car and see what it feels like. Hey, let's try that shock, and you know, it's kind of that's sort of what that's morphed into is is um, you know computers and in simulators and mm-hmm. um, all that kind of stuff. So uh, they share data with everybody, so you can look through data. All night long, if you want, every night, you can look at every single driver's data for every single lap they run on a racetrack, which is just crazy to me. Like, you know, there used to be kind of secrets. Like when I got to Gibbs, Denny was really good at, and he's really good at a lot of tracks, but he was really good at Martinsville and Loudon. And I remember just scouring over all his data to see what he did different. 
even the first test I did with Gibbs, we went to Charlotte and we had drastically different driving styles. I mean, drastically different driving styles and we go the same speed. So like he incorporated some of my stuff in one end and I incorporated some of his stuff in, in the other end. It made us both faster. But the way it is today, like everybody can look at that. So you just if, mm-hmm. if you're willing to spend the time and um, and like I said, I think it's a really advantage to the younger guys that are used to, you know, video games and going through, you know, data, computers, all that kind of stuff gives them uh, gives them, gives them an advantage. So it's definitely changed through the years. Speaking of drastically different driving styles, have you noticed that people from Illinois drive like assholes on a racetrack too, or is that just for us? Uh, I don't know where he's from. No, I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> uh, man, I don't even know where to go with that one. I mean, there's, there's no good answer on this one. Yeah, that. you can let yeah, it be well, if you have to. Yeah. Yeah. This might be safer then as drastic differences go. Uh, here you are, giant Packer fan, and you're working for Joe freaking Gibbs. <laughs> who coached the Redskins, excuse me, the Washington football team to three, three Super Bowls. Like uh, uh, that had to come up at some point, like yeah, in the uh, interview. Yeah. Well, not really. Uh, <laughs> I'll tell you a couple good stories in football for me. He loves telling football stories, but the thing about Joe, when you work for him for a while is he, he tells, you want to think he tells a lot of football stories. He tells football stories a lot. It's usually the same five stories though. But anyway, um, so the, as you guys will remember very well, the Packer game in Seattle, the NFC Championship game. Mm-hmm. I happened to be in Las Vegas. We were text, te- testing the next day, and I was at the sports book. And Coach calls me, and I'm looking at him. He calls me at halftime. I'm looking at him like, man, do I answer this or don't I answer this? You know, I'm sure he's not listening to this. So this is okay to say. So anyway, uh, so I answer it, and because uh, I, I don't want to jinx anything with the game, although I don't really. I'm not really very superstitious, but he's like, man, your boys look good. They're going to the Super Bowl. Are you going to go? And he's going on and on and on. I'm like, man, coach, it's only halftime. Like, I, you know, I, I don't know, man. Unless they're up by like five touchdowns. I, don't, I just never think it's over. But, but yeah, they're looking good. Hopefully they keep going. And then we all know what happened in that game. So, yeah, um, he didn't call me after the game. And then the best <laughs> one was, uh, this is funny, though. I was um, the Redskins. The Packers played in Washington for a playoff game uh, a few years back. Uh, I don't remember what year it was. Maybe you guys remember. And uh, so Joe was taking a whole bunch of people up there and coach has this big old airplane. It holds like 12 people. And he calls me and he's like, Hey, uh, I had this, um, this airplane I was leasing at the time. And he's like, Hey, uh, he didn't call me. He had his guy call me. He's like, Hey, I need, we need coaching to use your airplane on Sunday to bring some people up, you know, to Redskin game. So I'm thinking to myself, like, Oh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, sure. I'll let him use that. That's pretty cool. I bet she's going to ask me to go, you know, since he's, call him use an airplane to go up there and so I'm sure he's going to ask me to go ask me pretty cool you know I was wrong on that filled it up with everybody and uh <laughs> up there and took it back and I was like I saw him on Monday I was like man how was the game I mean besides I know your team got crushed but how was the game besides that you know <laughs> like, that was great and I was like yeah I, I, you know hope, hope everything worked out good with the airplane I said that would have been really nice if I could have rode on it went to the game with you <laughs> you know <laughs> I think you brought Denny or Kyle or somebody I don't know but yeah I never had the invite that is terrific. Um, we're gonna scare you. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna ask you if you think we what what the Packers should do with Aaron Rodgers because that's even worse. I think that's more of a that's more of a powder keg than the uh, Illinois drivers. Unless, 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 that what's that? Has anybody covered that? Is there something going on? No, it, it made the papers. It was like page six. If you went in there, it was kind of buried buried deep. There's a thing. It's it's not solved. But uh, uh, listen. It, we usually end the show with a bit of a speed round. I can't think of anything better than to have Matt Kenseth and do a speed round. So uh, 
take a quick break and we'll be right back here to wrap things up with Matt Kenseth. Helpful critiques, ideas, great stories, people we should know, the great bar in your town, the fish fry that you want to know, the fish boil, anything that you want to reach out to us with. We are happy. We are here. You can be the inputters. We're here to listen. Shut up and sit down. Trevor Thomas, John Anderson, back with NASCAR champion and Wisconsin native Matt Kenseth. All right, Matt, it is lightning round, lightning fast. It's uh, really not that fast. Uh, These are just some off-the-cuff questions now. Let's talk about home. Let's talk about things that you've probably never been asked for. When's the last time you were back for a Packer or Brewers game? Oof. That's been a long time. So I threw out uh, the first pitch at the Brewers game, like, I don't know, maybe like five years ago or something, I'm just guessing. And I didn't really realize that they have like, 16 people throw out the first pitch. I thought I was kind of special. I'm like, oh, I'm throwing out a first pitch, even though it's like a Tuesday night at 7 o'clock or something. I'm like, oh, it's still, still kind of cool. And then they're like, bring this person out and throws the first pitch. And the next person, I'm like, well, this isn't really the first pitch anymore. So right. there wasn't really 16, but there was probably six or seven of us. But I do know this was really cool. Uh, I got to go up and meet Bob Uecker, and I've never met him before. And, uh, of course, um, I'm a huge fan of Major League, and I think he's really funny. <laughs> And of course, the voice of the Brewers like forever since I was like right. a kid. And dude, it was like he was like nicest guy in the world. It was the coolest thing ever. He had this huge refrigerator full of beer in there, full of Miller Lite, of course. And uh, as soon as I get in there, he's like, "Oh, nice to meet you." You know, he starts talking. He's like, "Let's grab a beer. You want one?" And he's uh, uh, he was only announcing a few innings. He said, and uh, he told me some really cool things. It was really, really, uh, really, really neat talking to him. So that was uh, that was definitely a highlight of the night. That was uh, that's pretty cool. What a what a cool guy. And last I, got, I went to, I don't know. So I know some of the guys that work there I've known for a while. Mm-hmm. And um, for whatever reason, they tend to think that I'm bad luck that whenever I show up, they lose. <laughs> this is bad to say too, but I honestly can't remember the last Packer game I've been to. It's been, it's been at least a few years. That takes some guts to kick Matt Kenseth out of Lambeau field. Cause you think he's bad luck. Get back here. We might need your help this year. Um, yeah. Love it. All right. I got one more. Uh, so I told you earlier that I grew up in Jefferson County and I spent a lot of time in Cambridge and I'll never forget when you built the Matt Kenseth museum and teen store. Yeah. Uh, and I learned recently that that's now Cambridge winery. Have you been to Cambridge winery? I have. Nice. I have. Is it been weird to... seeing that? Uh, you know, um, no, the timing worked out really good. I mean, it was kind of time where I needed to, kind of get that shut down. I'm so thankful I was able to build that and afford to build it when we did. I think there's been a ton of fans that enjoyed it. I know I really enjoyed it. Used to come up there and see the fans a few times a year. Man, I had like seven cars up there. I had every piece of racing memorabilia that I ever had um, was in there. I had pretty much nothing at home um, except for um, Daytona 500. Actually, everything was up there except for the original Winston Cup trophy I had at home, but everything else was up at the up at the store in Cambridge, so everybody could come in and pretty much see my racing career from the start until we ended up, you know, closing that store. So the winery was coming in there, and they were uh, building that community behind there, and they kind of needed a showroom, restaurant um, type of place, and that place was right on the highway, and it, it worked out really well for him. So I, I have been there. It's really nice. The food's great. The wine is good. Um, he's got a nice place there. Wait, so the museum is not there anymore at all? There's not. Where's all the stuff? It's, uh, it's upstairs here at my... Uh, my shop at home right now. I'm still trying to get it all organized. It's a slow process. I'm trying to build some shelves. And I got a couple of race cars here. And, um, yeah, so it's all down here now. Uh, all right. I got just a couple. First off, uh, this is just spurred from what you said. Give me your favorite line of Major League. Oh, probably the same as everybody's. What is it? Just a little outside. Is that what it was? 
just a bit outside. I don't know how they can keep laying off those pitches. <laughs> As it comes through. I've watched that too, but that is pretty good. There you go. We watch it. So you're in Cambridge, Wisconsin. If you could go visit, would you rather visit uh, Cambridge, Mass, or uh, Cambridge, England, where the university is? Um, you know, um, I guess I would say England because I've never been there. Yeah, I'm close enough to Cambridge, Mass. That's the right choice. Tell me the best part of winning the Daytona 500. Oh, best part of winning it. Probably for me, I don't know if this is the best part. I guess it was the best part, most surprising part, whatever. So I have never really liked the camera that much, and I really never have liked attention very much, which is a very odd for the business I ended up being in. So, like, all the stuff you have to do afterwards, in a way, at the time, unfortunately, I never really enjoyed it much because it sort of stressed me out. Um, however, um, when you look back on it, it was very enjoyable. And um, it was the most surprising part is just how big that win was. Like, I always looked at that like, oh, man, we'll go to Daytona and then we'll get on with the season. And, you know, you win that race and there was, like, at the time, there was, like, almost as much attention as winning a championship. And it was just mm -hmm. uh, crazy to me, all the attention um, and all the cool things you were able to do because of it. Uh, so I would say all that. It was really neat winning it and uh, pushing the car into, mm -hmm. um, I don't know what they call it anymore, but Daytona USA the next day with your team and putting it in there and it sat there for the year and kind of hanging out with everybody there. And then just really went on a whole week-long media tour and they got done and they dropped you off in Phoenix on Thursday night. They had one more mm -hmm. thing in Phoenix on Thursday night. So um, that was a crazy part. We left there. Uh, Monday morning and never went home and ended mm -hmm. up, um, you know, going to New York and going all over the place, San Francisco, and end up dropping in Phoenix. So it was, um, that was a crazy, crazy week. So that was a big surprise for me. Um, you know, and I guess when I look back, I enjoyed it. Uh, sort of Daytona question. If you got to drive in the 24 hours of Daytona, you and give me two partners that you take with you. Who else would you drive well, with? I did it once. Uh, okay. So I did it with uh, Kurt Busch. And Greg Biffle and Scott Maxwell. So we had four of us. Um, we were not very fast, and the car broke about every four hours. So it wasn't uh, it wasn't really the greatest experience ever. I mean, I was glad I did it, uh, but it was a little frustrating because uh, you know we always wanted to do the best that we can at whatever we're going to do, and I didn't feel like we put forth uh, as good effort as I, I, I wish we would have. But it was fun. Um, so I didn't really answer your question. Uh, Man, I don't know. I think it'd be fun. Uh, so I got to pick two people. You said probably like Jamie McMurray. You can get three. Yeah, he's a friend of mine. He's you can have Katie if you want. You can bring whoever you want. No, no, he's a, he's a great road racer and he's a friend of mine. So I think that would be fun. And then um, and probably Jimmy. He's a good buddy of mine too. Okay, very uh, good. Pretty good at what he does too. Yeah, yeah. And the last one I have for you is is in. Sometimes on this show, I, I like to say we have to have a little segment called Educating Trevor because he's he's young and he doesn't know as much as he should. He doesn't seem to want to be a student of history. He just <laughs> assumes that the world started in 1983 when he was birthed. Um, in terms of great Wisconsin race car drivers, right? I mean, you're you are on the podium there. But tell me what people in Wisconsin should know about the importance of Alan Kilwicky and 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 dick trickle Ooh, so um that's a tough one i don't know much about alan quickie 
except for what I've read. I've, I've won a championship, though, at least. Right. Well, yeah. I mean, I know all that, but I'm just saying, like, I never watched him race short tracks. It was mm-hmm. he was gone way before I was old enough to really watch races much, even. Uh, so I really don't know a ton about him, except for what I've read or I've watched on TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, he won a championship. He's his own owner. Like all the stuff everybody knows. And Dick Trickle. I mean, just you know, legendary short track racer. Um, you know, just. Uh, you know, all the stories about him, right? Tr- Trickle, the one thing about Trickle that I always enjoyed is he was like the king of one-liners. And please don't please don't ask me any of his one-liners at the moment because I'm not going to be able to just recall them all uh, one at a time. But he uh, he was just like the king of one-liners. He just all, had all of these, you know, just just random things like eight tires grip better than four, like when you slide into somebody, you know, just, just whatever. He just always had these one-liners. And, um, you know, obviously talented, but, you know, the legend of Trickle is that, he was always smoking a cigarette and he was always drinking a beer. Now, I don't think he drank beer until he was done racing for the night, uh, but he would never get any sleep. He always had that. Well, no, I suppose I wasn't going to give you any one-liners or sayings, but uh, his other one is you need, you, you know, you only need an hour of sleep for every hundred laps. You had to race the car. So that was one of his other things he lived by. Yeah. And I think he was, I think he took that pretty literal. And, um, you know, so just kind of a legend in the, you know, in that type of way. And then, you know, obviously making it down there at such an old age and, and doing pretty good at, mm-hmm. at, at NASCAR. So the, the, the one thing I, I remember about trickle, I'm kind of jumping around here a little bit is I remember being at Milwaukee. I don't know if you guys remember this race or not, John might, but they just paved it. Trickle is driving that, that, that Schneider car and he's leading the race at Milwaukee Pat grandstands. I don't remember. I don't know if that Bush races there every year or not at the time, but it was when that pavement was all coming up right after they paved it. I don't know what year it was. And he was leading the race. And like the fans are going crazy. I mean, it's like, I mean, it was just like watching it. And it, I don't know, there's only a few laps to go. And you had to stay right in the groove because the track was coming apart. And it was all gravel outside the groove. And he's leading, going to win easily. And he messed up and he got out of the groove about two feet and got in the gravel and slid out of the groove and lost the race with like two or three laps to go or something like that. And it was like, it was, I was like devastated. I felt so bad for him. I was like, oh, man. Um, so that's my one trickle story I remember. Matt, as we wrap this up, we talked a little bit earlier about being a statriot. Uh, Wisconsin pride. We have it really thick here. Uh, as some of my friends and close family found out that we were going to have you on the show, I started getting some stories that trickled in, and I, I promised to share this one with you. This is actually really, really cool. Uh, here's what it says. Or is this going to be okay? What's it? Is this the time I should sign off? Or is this? No, no, no. (laughs) You're going to love this. You're going to love this. So here's what it says. It says uh, a close friend of mine from Jefferson actually uh, had just gotten back from a tour in Iraq in 2003. He got some free military tickets to come back home for a couple weeks. And he got to see you clinch the cup with a bunch of his Marine brothers while he was in Rockingham. And it meant a lot to him. Here's what he said. He said, coming home from overseas, and getting to watch a Wisconsin boy win the greatest racing title period, that shit made me proud. Uh, (laughs) I just promised to share that with you, and I think that just goes to say, man, that you have represented Wisconsin well, Uh, and we couldn't be more grateful for that. You're one of us, and it's just been awesome to watch uh, a Wisconsin boy uh, that grew up on the short tracks here, accomplish what you have, Matt. So thanks a lot. Well, I appreciate you saying that. It's funny you mentioned that today. I was thinking about a little bit, just, um, I was actually thinking about this podcast and maybe a few other athletes from Wisconsin, you know, that I've been able to meet and stuff. And like, you know, the thing, uh, 
you know, I wish I would have been better at. I did the best I could at it, but like, it's just take time for every single person. It's just, um, it's hard and it's really, it's really hard to explain, but like the fans mean so much, you know, without the fans and the, and the people and like, especially Wisconsin fans, I just feel like maybe it's cause I'm from there, but I just feel like they're so passionate for, you know, their sports and, um, everything that goes on. There. And I feel really fortunate to be from Wisconsin and have all the fan support that I've had through the years. And, um, you know, I always try to do the best I can to could to take time to, you know, you know, sign all the autographs and take the pictures and, you know, talk to people and answer requests. But I know that there's a lot of times where I got really, really busy and I, I didn't do a good enough job at that. And, um, that's probably one thing I, I, I regret for my, for my career. Like I said, I, I did the best I could, but yet there was times where I was like, man, you could have just took that extra, you know, hour and maybe, uh, you know, return a couple letters from the fan mail or whatever it might be. Right. So, um, but anyway, I, I do really appreciate all the fans. That's what made the whole journey as special as it, as it was, as all the people that you can meet along the way, um, you know, without them, it, it really wouldn't have been any fun. Well, I can tell you, you, you did a really good job one time. It was March 25th, <laughs> it was March 25th, 2000. Uh, I was in Bristol with my family. I was 16 years old and I met you, uh, before that race that year. I had a, a Johnson Creek Blue Jays sweatshirt on. You yeah. said, Hey man, back home. And you recognized awesome. right away. Oh, good. Cool. Hey Matt, well, thanks for joining us. John, anything else to add? Nope. I uh, just appreciate it. You've been generous with your time. It's been a, you are a hell of a driver, but I'm even more impressed that you average seven minute, uh, seven minute, eight second pace for an entire marathon. That to me, I'm a, if you can run, run 307 or 308 or whatever that I'm like, I'm in Daytona 500. Nice. 307 marathon better. Yeah, my goal is 259.59, so that's what I'm aiming for at Chicago. I really, it's going to be really hard at my age to reach that. I'm, I'm pretty high up there in years, but I'm pretty low in mileage. So um, I'm going to take training really serious this summer, and hopefully, if I don't, if I make it through injury free and feel good to start the race, that's uh, that's kind of my goal. I ran my fastest half in December. I ran like 124, 126, or something, 630 pace, and that was a lot faster than I've ever been able to run before. And it was real hilly. It was real cold and nice out though. So that's uh, kind of what my goal is, and, and me being goal oriented and, and uh my whole life racing and having a schedule and doing all that stuff like it's hard to explain but mentally it's really good for me to get a target like that marathon and, and put together a training plan and get up and actually have your week kind of planned out at least for those couple hours a day that you're going to spend training and and a goal to aim for so i'm kind of looking forward to that people that don't get it they're like how stupid what a dumb way to spend your time <laughs> like for me i just uh it makes me feel good uh mentally and physically and like i said it's fun to have goals if that doesn't work just hit your hit your ride, uh, hit yourself on the shoulder of one of them four thirty five a mile canyons, and see how far you go for you blow up. <laughs> you know, that's the other option on that bad boy. I can't run a four hundred at that pace, much less a mile, <laughs> much less twenty six. Thanks so much, Matt. Yeah, man. Anytime. Hey, anytime you guys want me on, I appreciate you having me. Thank you so happy. much. It'd be great. Shut up and sit down. Matt Kenson, love Just that one of dude us, right John. there, top of my list. Honestly, right? he's just a Wisconsin guy. He's one of us. Totally, right? Like, like, at some point, you're like, you know what? Who would I like to go hang out and have a beer with? Like, I'd go sit and drink beer with my guy. Like, I feel like yep. that would that night would be just, let's just shoot the crap, and it would be awesome. He's a goal-oriented guy. We need to set a goal to get him back to Lambeau. That's awesome stuff. Hey, back uh, on the show. One of the two. <laughs> well, or both. How about both? Yeah, that'd be awesome. Hey, um, really quickly, I want to make sure that everybody knows, subscribe below, right? You're watching this on YouTube. We're grateful for all the viewers. John, check this out. I don't know if I told you this or not. Do you see this? 
That's a, this, that is, I have. You sent me a picture of it, but it, yeah. on the wall, it looks even better. That's incredible. A uh, huge state of Wisconsin by a fan, a viewer of Inside Wisconsin. Uh, couldn't be more grateful. So subscribe below. Like us on all of our, our social media pages. Check us out on InsideWisconsin.com. Remember, the audio version of the podcast is available on all of the podcast platforms. Wherever you want to go, we would love to spread the good joy of the great state of Wisconsin. John, what do you else you got going on between now and the next time we chat? Uh, well, I, I'm going to leave you. Um, I got a lot of, I got stuff every day. I don't know what it is. It might be, I have to go, you know, play golf and three putt 16 greens and want to quit the game forever, but I can't because I got <laughs> too many nice shirts. Um, you know, it might be that I have to go out and do some, uh, NCAA track and field, which you've got coming up. Um, uh, I think I'm going to have to end up going to the Olympics, but that's a whole different story. But yeah. what I thought I was listening, I was moved when you were talking about places that, that you thought people drive too fast. And I'm like, I don't, I'm not home enough to come up with something quite that detailed. Okay. But I thought I'm going to leave you as, as my part of my John, Wisconsin. Some people are on Wisconsin, like John, Wisconsin is John, Wisconsin, uh, five places that I like to drive that are neat to me. Uh, I don't know if they mean anything to anybody else, but I think they'll at least certainly be familiar to people. And so that's, it, it doesn't, we're not, we're, we're going to obey all speed limits. Okay. We're just going to meander. We're not, we're not, we're not in a hurry. Okay? Sunday driver. Yes. So one of my favorites is to uh, get on when I used to be in a kid and we would drive over to Iowa, all my relatives. I love being on I-90 where you cross the Mississippi there by on Alaska yeah. and the terrain's beautiful and the cliffs and the water. And that's fantastic. So I, I awesome. love that. Uh, I also love if we're going West and we're going to go to Minneapolis and because we had Dick Lining Kugel on, I love to go on bloody 29th. <laughs> Try to maybe one hit myself a deer and then and then stop at, at, in uh, Chippewa Falls and get a liney. So that's a great place. Love it. Um, I love Highway 141. We're going straight north. Uh, we're going to go by the city of Pound, Wisconsin, which I laugh because a friend of mine one time insisted that he had slept with everybody in the city of Pound, Wisconsin. <laughs> I don't know how many people were in it, uh, but Jeez. that was always a great ride because that's how you got to Iron Mountain and you'd ski at Brule or Pine Mountain. And I just, it's always a drive in the winter, but I love going up that road because I always love to ski. And so that was always fantastic to go up there. Love it. Um, you talk about 57 and 42 going to, to Door County. Um, I'm not a fan of the new road and, you know, anymore, the new road, right? Like when you go 43 to Milwaukee to Green Bay, I still think of that as the new road, even though it's been open for whatever it is, right? 40 freaking years, but still going 41. Uh, but I love 57 to 42, but I want to go right through Sturgeon Bay and go over the steel bridge, yeah. the Sturgeon Bay bridge, right? I, I get the new ones nice and all that. I, I'm not in for that. I love the steel bridge. So that's that old one still there. Yeah, so that's on my list. And then my favorite stretch of road in all of Wisconsin, because a lot of times getting into Green Bay, the travel schedule is not great. So I end up in Milwaukee. Uh, I have a daughter in Milwaukee. I love to go see when I can. Uh, my favorite stretch of road is then coming up the Tri-State Tollway on 94 and crossing the border and see that Wisconsin sign, which is only slightly bigger than the one you have tacked on your wall. <laughs> and you're right there, and I see the Mars Cheese Castle, and I think, I'm home. Amen. And that's my favorite stretch of road to Wisconsin. Right there, cross the border, leave the fibs behind. I'm into God's country, and I'm headed my way. 
And if I have to, I might stop at the adult store. Usually I don't need anything, but it's always right there. Um, <laughs> that's just, that's my favorite, my favorite stretch road in the whole state. Outstanding. Let's call it a We're show, s- shall we, bud? We shall, man. It was great to see you. Until next time, as you were, Wisconsin. Shut up and sit down.